she hired a local artist to do an oil painting of the house that we had just bought. Uh, looking at it, it had a little pond and willow trees and everything. And Christmas was nice and everything. And then in January, she started, um, she was going to go visit a friend for the weekend. Uh, a woman whose name I have never heard, uh, never saw a phone call to her, said, where she live? Well, down somewhere, I'm going to get directions. And I said, well, what's the phone number? Uh, where she's going to be, I don't know. It's not where she has an apartment. It's somewhere else. So I was very suspicious, but didn't have anything to go on. And then, I'm not sure if it was the second time or the third time. But anyway, she was going to do it again, and I knew. I said, you're not going to see any girl. And yes, I am. Don't you be suspicious of me. Well, that... She left Saturday morning. That Saturday, um, I had a terrible cold and was taking Alka-Seltzer Plus, if you remember what that was. Cold medicine with a lot of uh, decongestant in it, and it raises your blood pressure. And between that and the stress and the trauma, I hemorrhaged an aneurysm in my brain. And a friend came and got me and then called the ambulance and I ended up in the hospital. And nobody knew where she was. And uh, my friend had left a note, called me immediately. She Finally, she showed up at the hospital Sunday night at about 11 p.m. And I was, at that point, almost in a medical coma. And um, then Monday morning, I was transferred to a hospital. So that was the start of the end. Tom and Amy married in 1969 while they were both in college. They'd been dating for four years. Before the wedding, Amy admitted to Tom that she had not been faithful to him. In fact, she had affairs with three different men. But she wanted to get married, and Tom was willing to let bygones be bygones and move forward together. Once they were officially a couple, he reasoned, Amy would settle down. Except she did not. She had affairs with three more men and eventually didn't even bother to hide them. The, uh Attack was February 25th. I got home mid-April, convalesced at home, heavily drugged. And then towards the end of May, she told me, I'm going to be leaving when the school year is done. I'm Donna Anderson, and this is True Love Fraud Stories. Tom and Amy had been married for only three years when Amy abandoned him. Their involvement was short, but it changed the course of Tom's life. That's why he's telling his story. It's a cautionary tale for other men. 
He prefers to remain anonymous, so Tom and Amy are not their real names. Tom started dating Amy shortly after he graduated from high school. She lived nearby and was two years behind him in school. She seemed to be very bright, um, was very cute, long brown hair, um, and um, we seemed to like the same kind of music, the same kind of movies, so that's where it started. When Tom went away to college, they kept in touch. In fact, Amy wrote him a letter every other day. About one weekend a month during his freshman year, Tom made the three-hour journey by Greyhound bus to come home to see her. The spring of my freshman year, she wanted to, um, actually, as you said in those days, uh, go steady, um, kind of exclusive. And uh, we even got these little rings and um, went from there. They spent more time together when Tom came home from college for the summer. We went down to the ocean, to the shore, sometimes in the summer. We went to a couple concerts, uh, saw the Beach Boys, saw Herman's Hermits, uh, Chad and Jeremy, uh, all the biggies, uh, and, uh, and movies. And used to go to a county fair in uh, the rural part of uh, the state. It was in that year, year that we first had sex. Did Tom enjoy it? Oh, yeah. We never discussed what she might be doing in school or whether supposedly she wasn't dating others, but I don't know that, and I never inquired. So um, things just went along fine. When Amy graduated high school... She went to the same college as Tom. They saw each other every day, although they had to comply with the college rules. In those days, um, co-eds, as they were called, were under strict lock and key. They had to sign in and out of their dorm after 5 p.m. Freshmen had to be back in the dorm by 8 p.m. And... uh, There was no visitors allowed. No of the opposite sex in any of the dorms. In the beginning of Tom's senior year, they started talking about getting married. But before they took that step, Amy admitted that she'd been with other men. I knew knew about it from the time she got to college. I do not know what might have happened while she was still in high school, I had believed we were each other's only uh, sexual partner. But I know of, um, from the engagement or pre-engagement through the first six months of marriage, she had affairs with three, at least three different men. How did Tom find out about the infidelities? She told me, and it was never her fault. She always had some 
story that either she made a mis- she may have made a mistake and somebody forced her and this or that and uh, I just believed it all and thought well you know I started dating her when she was very young she didn't have any other experience maybe it's just you know a youthful fling or some trying to prove something or find out something and she said you know each time well you know it won't happen and I'd say okay let's let's go on from here how did Tom feel when Amy told him about her affairs first felt a shock kind of and um then tried to be understanding I think listened to what she was saying and trying to discuss things that would straighten things out so we could continue going forward I, I was just I was madly in love with this woman and um tried to do anything to keep her involved with me. Between the fall and spring semesters of Tom's senior year, they got married. It was a small wedding at her church, with the reception in the Sunday school room. They spent their wedding night, a Saturday, in a Holiday Inn motel then went back to college. They were due in class Monday morning. To begin their lives as newlyweds, Tom and Amy rented an apartment. Everything was very nice. We did, she made curtains for the windows. I cobbled together a little table for the dining room and um, things were good. Money was very, very tight. Um, We had to scrounge for food basically um you know cheap things and no steaks uh uh, so uh it was always a scramble to do that and uh some weeks we'd like call our friends and say you know do you have any spaghetti can we come over and have some spaghetti uh you know with the big thing then was spatini tomato sauce. It came in a little packet, and you mixed it with one can of tomato paste. And uh, so, you know, it was that kind of thing. Uh, there was very little money for doing anything. No, no movies other than the college had one every Friday night. Some of them were pretty old. But uh, sometimes we'd go there. That was free. So um, we did that. However, through all this period, there were infidelities. In the first six months of their marriage, Amy slept with two more men. Tom was so crazy about her that he tolerated that as well. She seemed to get more attractive all the time. She was very high-functioning, very bright, highest honor roll in high school, college. I think she graduated with a 385 on a four-point system. Um, We had fun together. 
I was into the sort of back to land movement. Um, there was a magazine at the time called the Mother Earth News about how to move, buy four acres, move to the country and be self-sufficient. Uh, farming and harvesting your own wood to burn in your own wood stove and that. And she was into the cooking and the gardening part of it. So I thought this this is going pretty good. And how was their physical relationship? Physical. Outstanding. You know, as I've read most people say, best sex I ever had in my life for seven years. Uh, usually two times a day, one or two times a day, maybe three on the weekends. When Tom graduated, Amy was still in college, so he took a job about 50 miles from the school. She commuted for a semester, but during one trip, ran off the road and hit a small tree. After that, Amy didn't want to commute any longer. The following year, Amy got an apartment in the college town with three other women. She stayed there during the week and came home on weekends. During this semester, she told me, probably in November, she had like two papers due and had to stay down for the weekend to work. She needed to get into the library and do a lot of stuff. So... You know, she'd call me Sunday night. On Sunday, I thought, I'll surprise her, go down, and we'll go get a hamburger or something for dinner, and then I'll drive back because I do have to teach Monday morning. So when I got there, her one of her roommates told me, you know, she hasn't been here since Friday night. She left with another man, and um, I don't know where they went, but... Uh, she hasn't been back, and we don't know where she went. Uh, I asked her when finally caught up, and because uh, the girl had told me who the man was. She said, oh, he's just a friend. He was giving me a ride to somebody's, to meet with somebody else who, you know, was working on the same kind of term paper and we were going to compare notes or something like that. When Tom next saw his wife, he confronted her about her disappearance over the weekend. You know, I said, you lied to me. She said, no, I didn't. I planned to do that. And he came along and said, let's do this. And then we got down there. So we, you know, got partying and, and he had too much to drink and we couldn't drive back. So we slept on the couches. And then we came back, and then I had to work really hard to get those papers done. So, but it was probably all bullshit. But I bought it. Tom forgave his wife, but in the spring semester, it happened again. She had moved out of that apartment because I found out the other girls kicked her out. Didn't want to deal with her anymore. And um, she moved um, up the street to a uh, private home who was renting out a, a, a bedroom for a student. And um, same kind of thing happened. Uh, she was going to be there and 
I thought um, uh, that one I was going to come down Saturday and uh, surprise her. And uh, I got there and the owner of the house said um, she had left with, a, with another man. She didn't know his name, but she left this telephone number in case I needed her, and it was an Ohio area code. And I had subsequently found out that this other man was from Ohio. And uh, I called it, and he answered, and he, she, he put my wife on the phone. She was, oh, she wanted to take the ride. She was tired of school and this and that, and they were riding horses and she'd be back Sunday evening. When she came back, I happened to be looking out the window and um, saw her and the man get out of the his car and, uh, you know, passionately kissed and hug and everything. So I asked her when she got in, what's going on? She said, oh, I, I just had a good time with them out there. and. Um, somehow she talked me out of any further concern. I don't know how. They're good. Plus, I didn't mention it. She is an excellent liar. I'm sure she could pass a lie detector test given anywhere. Amy graduated in the spring and got a job in the school district next to where Tom was working. Soon, Amy wanted to buy a house. So we started looking everything, and we did find one in, I guess, October of that year, 20 miles further north, um, really out in the middle of nowhere. We had two neighbors within one mile of any direction. Uh, just fields and woods and things. But in January, Amy was back to visiting her unknown friend on the weekends. Tom knew she was lying. He knew his wife was seeing another man. In February, she left for the weekend again, and the stress of her betrayal, plus the heavy decongestant he was taking led to Tom's brain hemorrhage. I was in the hospital for five or six weeks. The doctor communicated everything about my issue with her. Um, I did recover without surgery. I had a lot of spinal punctures, spinal taps to remove fluid. Um, I've since found out it was a um, hemorrhage of an aneurysm in the subarachnoid layer of the brain, which is the middle layer, second one in from the skull, on the right hemisphere. And that negatively affects memory, um, some speech, 
um, getting the right word, um, face recognition, and emotions in that you lose all emotions. It's called uh, alexithymia, um, the inability to uh, express or understand your emotions. Tom was home recuperating from the brain injury when Amy decided to leave him. Why did she do it? From what I remember, which is sketchy, I mean, there's a little bit here and then something else, and I'm never sure which came first, what day it was, whether they were the same day or what. Uh, no, I was kind of, you know, numb from it and talked to her, and finally, one day I asked her, I said, you never told me why. What did I do wrong? What what what, what is the problem? Um, and the only thing she said to me was, "He's much better at sex than you are." That was it. For Amy, the relationship was over. The day she moved out, a woman came up with a Volkswagen bus, and she had her own. Volkswagen Beetle, and they were starting moving boxes out, and I left for the day, came back. And then I just started getting real emotional, crying, looking at, you know, I, I opened our closet doors, and her half of the closet was empty. And um, things she had that were, were gone, you know, a little a vase or a picture, something. There were things missing from the walls. And, you know, I just started drinking and muttering and crying. And I didn't go anywhere for I don't know how long. And then I thought I had said to myself, you got to move on. You got to stop this. However, I have since read that, and my psychologist agrees, the double trauma happening within three months put my brain into shutdown mode for this and repressed all the memories. And that's how I was able to continue. Amy left, and they had an easy, uncontested divorce. Tom stayed in the house, although he had to work multiple extra jobs to make enough money to pay the mortgage. He put his ex-wife out of his mind and never thought about her again. Soon, he started dating. He went out with a lot of women. About a year and a half later, Tom learned that a good female friend from college had also gotten divorced and moved back to the college town. So somehow we caught up and uh, dating, and she, she actually told me the story, which she tells many times, is 
When I was a freshman in college, there was an off-campus house that had beer parties Saturday nights. Um, it's a dollar fifty for all you could drink, <laughs> and we were walking to it. And she thought I was really cute, and nice, and she was trying to get to know me. And then somebody told her, "Oh, he has a girlfriend at home," so she gave up on it. <laughs> but. Uh, we got married in 1975 and um, just celebrated our 48th anniversary. They married only nine months after they reconnected. Somebody said, oh, that's really fast. Well, I had known her for 10 years. So it really wasn't much to uh, find out about each other. And we kept in touch for almost all of those 10 years. Um, and she also had a, uh, at that time, seven-year-old daughter who I got in the deal. And, um, you know, it's worked out very well. After many pleasant years together, in 2018, Tom's second wife wanted to go to her 50-year college reunion. Where we're living now, there's a couple friends who are really gung-ho college alumni. And they told her, you know, she had to go with them. They were all going. There was going to be like 10 of them of their group that were in the same dorm when they were in college. And they'll all go together. And I told her, no, I don't want to go. I, I don't like being in that place. It um, brings back memories. And she kept asking and asking and asking. And finally, I said, okay, I'll go. So we got up there. And as soon as I started walking around campus, everything flooded back. The repressed part of the memories disappeared. You know, I'd see this part, and we did this here, and this is where her room was, and, blah, and all that. And um, and when I got home, the um, flashbacks started, the intrusive thoughts. Um, Depression, mm. so I consulted my doctor who put me in touch with a psychologist and we're on the phone consultations and um, she, she described it as I was ruminating and um, just um, Basically, you know, stop it. <laughs> Get your mind off of it and let it go. Tom was able to stop the ruminating for a while, but he also suffers from seasonal affective disorder, which causes his mood to turn glum in the winter. He felt somewhat better in the spring, but the following winter, his flashbacks and depression returned worse than ever. He found a new therapist, and they determined that his intrusive thoughts were repressed memories coming back. 
What were these troublesome memories? Her affairs, time she went to Ohio and came back, I actually was looking out the window from her bedroom on the second floor and saw she thought she had the car stop on the side street. And so I wouldn't see it if I was looking out the front, but I was up there looking out the side street and I saw her get out and hug and everything. And that was one of the flashbacks that kept coming back. Um, also that he's a lot better flashback came back and most of the other ones that were or anything of a negative nature pretty much for tom the flashbacks of amy's cheating the intrusive thoughts of her callous behavior and the resulting depression that he felt were absolutely debilitating he'd sit in the living room staring at the coffee table for hours he didn't want to go out he didn't want to see people. Last year, I had a lot of really bad weeks um, where I couldn't get out of bed, really. I just stayed in bed fretting. I couldn't sleep through the night. Uh, one point I told my wife that I, I, th I think I want to ask about a residential facility to go to. I, I don't think I can make it here. And um, she got me past that. And uh, with my doctor, we worked on the different medicines. I think we finally have a combination that seems to be working. Of course, antidepressant drugs have some serious side effects. Um, the main one is um, complete sexual dysfunction. That's the trade-off. A lot of people go off their antidepressants because of that. And I could see if I was 25 or 30, <laughs> I'd go off of that. Tom's current wife, the woman he's been with for so many years, has truly helped him through this experience. She's been wonderfully supportive, puts up with anything that I go to, tries to talk me talk me down or up or away or something. And um, that's, that's, I'm so thankful. Finally, with his new medicine, Tom is feeling better. He's more willing to participate in life. Yeah, going out, doing things, um, going back down. I have a boat in Maryland. I was just down there for several days and, um, the th intrusive thoughts have stopped. Um, flashbacks have stopped. Um, except this week, preparing for this, uh, thinking about it, they kind of came back, and I hope they go away quickly, um, which I think they will. And 
it's more um, feeling more normal. Tom and Amy divorced in the early 1970s, and from that point on, Tom never thought about his ex-wife and had no idea what happened to her. But last year, he decided to look her up. I do a little genealogy on ancestry for my family, and I thought, let me try and find out what happened. So I started ancestry and Google and everything, so I traced down what she did and where she is, so. Amy married the man she left Tom for, but it only lasted three years. She then earned her Ph.D., moved to multiple distant states for work, then married again. That marriage also lasted only three years. She moved two more times for work, then got married again, this time to a woman. Tom realized that his ex-wife had issues. She had a big problem and has been getting away with it and apparently has very few negative impacts other than two more men not putting up with her, which would have been nice if I did that. When Tom described his ex-wife's behavior to his psychologists, they quickly formed the opinion that Amy had a serious personality disorder. They recognized as soon as I started describing things, she said, yeah, it's a personality disorder, also sometimes called sociopathy. She's a sociopath, uh, you know, ticks off every sign there, just about, for females. Back in the 1960s and 70s, when Tom was with his ex-wife, very little information was available about sociopaths. People certainly weren't talking about them like they are now. So Tom had no frame of reference for the behavior he was seeing. It was easy to miss the warning signs. I don't think I ever heard of a sociopath. Um, or a personality disorder. No idea what that was. Uh, no way to put any sense with what I saw, I guess. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't know what I missed. Well, I know one I missed. We were in a group, started out to be a group supporting McGovern, turned into a anti-Vietnam War group. And two of the couples were Quakers. And the closest Quaker meeting to where we were was about an hour and 20 minutes away. And she started saying she wanted to go to it. So, okay, I don't. Go ahead. So every other Sunday for a while in the spring of, I'm not sure which year... She um, she went to the Quaker meeting. So I saw one of our other gatherings, the one of the couples that that went to it. And I said, "Oh, she went to uh, a meeting," and they said, uh, "We didn't see her there." 
And I don't know, I, that time I thought, you know, Quaker meeting like a church, there's 100 people or so, but maybe they were in the front, she was in the back. I didn't realize most Quaker meetings are about 20 people. It would be pretty hard to miss somebody. So I think that was another time she was off seeing someone and I didn't know about it. And I don't know how many more things like that happened. Finally, becoming educated about sociopathic personality disorders definitely helped Tom's recovery. It cleared things up and finding out about her call it history now or the rest of her life and seeing how the same kind of things kept happening kind of confirmed it. And um, at, at a point, I didn't feel so bad about not understanding it, I guess, at the time, you know, because I kept going, you know, how did I miss that? How did I miss this? Tom met his sociopathic ex-wife, Amy, when he was a teenager nearly 60 years ago. Even though he put her out of his mind for decades, the encounter profoundly affected his life, and not in a good way. I'd say, certainly wish it didn't happen. It definitely robbed me of my college years. I never, in college, the two years I was there and she wasn't, I never even held a girl's hand. Never took a girl out, never kissed a girl, nothing, just... I was extremely faithful. Um, all those girls and I wasn't interested, you know. Where I took a job was determined by her need to complete the college, so I could have could have been anywhere, but because of her and that, uh, I needed to be there. That sure maybe changed my projection. Made a pretty decent recovery of it, but um, as far as going forward there afterwards, but um, boy, it was um, it was a mess, and I certainly have sympathy for anyone else who's going through the same thing. I'm Donna Anderson, and this is True Love Fraud Stories. To hear expert commentary related to this story, become a premium subscriber. I interview Dr. Leanne Leadham, who explains how betrayal and trauma can severely affect the brain. You'll also get access to my weekly interactive podcast, Love Fraud Live, where I answer your questions. So what inspired you to be willing to share your story? I noticed that most of the reporting, the blogs, the um, um, websites from Psych Central and everything, when it's a sociopath, it's always a male, including yours. Uh, very little 
mention that there are females and that they are very different. It's like two different diseases or problems. Um, and um, so I thought maybe it'd help get the conversation going. I know they're rarer than male sociopaths, but they're out there and guys need to know about it and be warned about it. So what advice would you have for other men? If the behavior of your spouse seems odd, not like what you thought someone should do, and you think you're being forced to believe things that don't make sense, stop and check it out further. Do some research. See if you can, you know, Google the behavior and see what comes up. True Love Fraud Stories is produced by lovefraud.com. I'm the author of lovefraud.com and the researcher for this story. Engineering is by Terry Kelly. To learn how to recognize and recover from everyday sociopaths, visit lovefraud.com. And for more information about this story, other great stories, or if you'd like to share your story, visit podcasts.lovefraud.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.